Welcome back to the 307 podcast. Welcome back to the 307 podcast. We've officially oh we've officially kicked Pops off the podcast and all the girls are taking over. No, I'm here. This is just a this is a wild crowd right here, you know. I usually got Chili sitting right there. Blake's sitting over usually over here where Caitlin is. And Krista's usually sitting in Kelsey's seat. We've just mixed things up. Biscuit, you're becoming a regular old podcast co-host. Caitlin, this is your second time on the podcast in, what, the last month, maybe? You're just becoming a regular old podcast guest slash co-host. And we have a longtime listener, first-time podcast guest, Kelsey Delaney Britt. Delaney? That's not my name. (laughs) It's not. I thought that was your middle name. Where did you get Delaney is not a middle name. What the crap? Whose middle name is that's a last name. Like Lynn or Ashley or Lee is a middle name. Not I could have swore that was your last name. Well, my middle name is my maiden name, so it is a last name. But it's Kelsey Dalsey Britt. Oh, you were close. That's where I got Delaney from. (laughs) Yeah. It's a D. It's the same thing. He was way off. No, <laughs> wow. Caitlin, bro. what's your middle name? Um, it's Brienne. I didn't know that. Brienne, mm-hmm. I'm gonna start calling you that. Please stop. <laughs> I'm gonna start. All right, calling. Alan. We'll start calling you Alan. You know, he looks like an Alan right Whatever, now. Whatever, man. Like he's obsessed with cutting grass, mm-hmm. and he like you know wears New Balance. No, we can just call him Fred. Fred. <laughs> oh, Screw you guys. Fred, Fred Junior. <laughs> Look, I'm gracing y'all with my presence here. Y'all got to be nice to me. Y'all got to be nice to me. Well, me and Caitlin have already banned you from going on any rants because this episode is about Kelsey. Yeah, it's about Kelsey. I mean, I just got out of the sauna, so I'm feeling good. My mind was really busy today, and I haven't discussed with people the, for some people, I think the sauna is a very advantageous training tool, at least mentally. I don't know how it affects you phys- physically, but like I get in, like I'm in the day. Have I asked Brooke this and she looked like me, looked at me like I was an idiot. Have you ever had a day where your mind was so busy that even if you were sitting in a quiet place outside that you wouldn't notice the silence because your mind was so busy? I know exactly what that is. Okay. I didn't look at you like that's that's yeah. that's why that's the way I felt today. Uh-huh. Like there's just things going on in my mind and you know your self-talk and whatever you have to do that day and I'm sitting in this sauna it's completely silent in there and I don't even notice that it's quiet in there because there's so much noise going on in my head but by about the third round I break out of that and then I notice the silence and even the heat in there becomes tolerable you just get in this weird state of mind it's when and, you've burned enough brain cells yeah, to start becoming detached. I guess so. But, you know, people have been doing real. sauna or sweat lodges for thousands of years. They say. I don't know. I wasn't alive thousands of years ago, but there's evidence of it. So I think there's something there. But anyways, it's been a great tool for me. You haven't been in yet, have you, Caitlin? Oh, so, so you're saying the heat just made your mind clear? Is that what you're saying? Yes. What it does almost is it distracts. It becomes so oppressive, it breaks you out of whatever is on your mind because you can't think about anything else but the heat. But then you almost transcend that. And 
your mind, at least mine, Brooks doesn't do this. You almost transcend that and <clears throat> your mind relaxes and then the heat even becomes more tolerable. But you don't sweat. Caitlin doesn't sweat. Probably going to be really tough for you. Yeah. We were talking about that. We would like you to come try this. Oh, yeah. Last time Blake was in there, we were talking about putting her in there. What would happen? Because what would happen if you put someone in the sauna that doesn't sweat? (laughs) Yeah, we need to try try to pass out. We'll have to monitor. Sleep. (laughs) Monitor closely. BK's the same way. She doesn't sweat. She got that from Caitlin. Her face was so red the other day. It was scary. And she wasn't out there for very long, and it's not been that hot here. Right. Yeah. But it was, I was like, oh my gosh. To keep an eye on her. Yeah, that's not a fun thing to have. Well, since I can't go on a rant about Instagram uh, silencing the video that we put out about the combat standards test, which really ticks me off, um, I'll talk about that later. We've got Kelsey, Kelsey Delaney Britt on the podcast. <laughs> she uh, just won. Her most recent 100-mile race, the Endurance Hunter, 100-mile race. And I want to start this off by saying, I think that everyone should run a 100-mile race. Of course you do. Every human, okay? Now, there. I'm not saying you should keep doing it. I'm saying you should just do it one time. And I truly believe that every person can run a 100-mile race. That's because it's what you do. No, I... Aside from that, I believe every human is capable of running a 100-mile race. Now, what about someone in a wheelchair? Are uh, they capable? Well, you some just, people don't have legs. You just said every human. Every every human that doesn't have a debilitating, chronic health problem. All right. If you're just gen, if you're generally healthy, you may need. I mean, you may need to lose a little weight, or or you know, obviously, you have to train. You can't finish. You're not going to finish it if you don't put some preparation in. But I think every person that's generally healthy can do it. And I say everybody should do at least one because you really get to experience life in a day. You go through the full spectrum of emotions and feelings and highs and lows and um, sleep deprivation. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. You know, I think everybody should skydive once in their life i think everybody should ride a bull once in their life what yeah yeah i mean are, really how does it, it, how funny is it though it's all things you have done these are these are because how can how can i comment on anything i haven't done I, i'm saying these are the things that i've done in my life that nothing else compares to them that's that's what i'm that's why i'm saying this right i'm sure i mean some yeah, I, that's all I can comment on. This reminds me of the other day when we were at marriage counseling. And don't roll your eyes like Well, that. you know, this is an encouraging message because I, I'm, I'm actually encouraging the listeners listening to this that are thinking, I'm about to hear the story of Kelsey that ran a 100-mile race. I could never run a 100-mile race. Well, no, that's a lie. I'm telling you, listener, right now, that's a lie you're telling to yourself. So, as we talk through this, don't think that this isn't something that's unattainable for you. And I highly encourage you to do that. I'm encouraging you that you are capable of that's doing good. that. Yeah, that's good. But that's the whole point in, in me sharing this with people right off the bat. So they don't tune it out and think that this is something that's never achievable for them. Well, there's so many right? parallels in a hundred mile race to things you can use in every day. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. an experience that nothing else compares to. Boo, your energy towards me is just not good right now. I just, yeah, you're trying to buck my encouraging message. Well, I have something to add. Yeah. I think that along with the three things that you think every person should experience in life, I think that every person should experience having kids. When you say cat, oh, like, I can't speak so on that. Oh, <laughs> oh, burn! How'd that feel, babe? <laughs> would you agree, <laughs> Caitlin? Would you agree with that? Do you think everybody should experience having kids, or are there some people that shouldn't try to experience that? Well. I do believe that some people may have shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) May have shouldn't have. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about it. Okay, roger that. I'm not trying to buck you. I think that I love that. I do think that anybody is capable of running a 100-mile race. I think you have a tendency, and I might be the only one who knows this. This is why I'm sensitive to it. If Chad does something and he does it well, he thinks everybody else should do it. No, that is incorrect. If, if if I if I He's do mad. if I do something and it impacts me in a deep and meaningful way and it improves my life, then I believe I want to encourage other people to do it too because I think it has the capability to do that for them. So that's what it's really all about. It's like the song, which is which is why we created Nuff Said Running. As a matter of fact, this podcast today, this episode is brought to you by Nuff Said Running. We literally filmed a 10-part series. It's three-plus hours of training and published it. You guys can go purchase it, and you have access to this entire masterclass. It costs less than the cost of a pair of running shoes. It's 99 bucks. It's everything I've learned about running since I started running when I was 19 years old. It's also really entertaining. It's also really entertaining. It's me, Blake, and Chili. I'm so proud of that content, man. So if you listen to this and you think, maybe I want to run an ultra. Caitlin just ran her first ultra marathon the other day. Brooks ran some 50Ks. We've all ran ultra. And it's a great community. If it's something you want to look at starting your journey with, Nuff Said Running is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. So you can find that at nuffsaidrunning.com. Check it out. Now, Kelsey, I want to ask you, why run instead of race walk? <laughs> what? Because you guys also don't know about Kelsey. She is a champion, was a champion race walker. Now, I will say, you hit a point for me, just where my level where I am, you hit a point where you are race walking that 100 miler. Like, there are certain parts where, I mean... You get a point where it's like, okay, if you start moving fast enough. I did at the start of the race. I had a couple of guys be like, wow, you can walk really fast up these hills. And I was like, well, that's because I can race walk, man. <laughs> I didn't tell them that, but that's what I was thinking. Get the turnover going and mm-hmm. you can just roll with it. Why did yeah. you start running? I mean, you're because you're fairly new to the sport. Am I, is that correct? Well, I ran my first road race when I was five and I won okay. my age group. So my mom would like sign us up for little local dinky races and we'd run and we played soccer and softball and basketball and all the sports. Um, And then when I was nine, our best friend's dad 
and the two of them, they ran. So we started run, signing up for road races and go run 10Ks. So I kind of ran pretty competitively starting when I was nine. So it, was, it just, I was so athletic that it just came pretty quick. We could go run a road race and I'd go win. So it was fun. Um, but so I'd run, run that. And then I, when I got to college, I played softball my first year in college. And then when I stopped playing softball, I started doing more like halves and then I had a season in my life where I just had time to run every morning. And so then I came across a documentary of ultras, watched it. And I was like, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. And then we went to dinner that one time and I was like, oh yeah, okay. I can, I can run an ultra. So I signed up that night and that was it. But I've kind of been running. So new to trail running, new to trail running, new to distance running within the past like year and a half. Now you say you came to a time in your life and you, you said, Oh, I have time to run now every morning. Well, why use that time to run? I mean, why, why run? Yeah. For me, uh, it's, it just brought about this clarity. I was waking up at like 515, 530 every morning And I would just go run the street and see the same old man with his walking stick every morning. And there was just a freedom and a cleanliness that came from my soul of like being out there, the discipline of getting up every morning. And I guess you could, I don't know if I've ever felt that runner's high, but I'd get done at, by 8 a.m. I'd put in work and felt good. My body felt healthy, felt in shape. And just the feeling of moving and knowing there's, you get to this point where you trust your body can kind of do not, not quite anything, but it's like, wow, my body, like I'm in such good shape. If my, my mental mindset at that season was I want to be fit to serve. So if the Lord, no matter where the Lord calls me, I want to know, okay, I'm physically fit to where if he calls me to go here or go here or somewhere else, like my, I'm physically, I don't need to be like, oh, I should probably go lose some weight so that I can go live in Africa or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you started your first ultra. So how many ultra distance races did you run before your first Thunder Miler, which was Georgia, Georgia Jewel? I ran the Cloudland 50 miler in December 2020. Okay. So one. And did you, at the end of that 50 miler, did you feel like you could run 50 more miles? No, I felt terrible. Uh, isn't that crazy? <laughs> that, yeah. That, that progression, because I remember my first 50 miler and I thought there's no way I could physically do that again right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... Caitlin, if you have any questions, just chime in, all right? And same same with you, Biscuit. Um, now, you got done with that 50-miler. You, Why did you decide to sign up for Georgia Jewel, which was a 100-mile race? A hard 100-mile race, by the way. All trail right here. And on Half of it's on the Penhody. Rough, rocky terrain. Lots of elevation yeah. gain. So you didn't feel like you're like 50 miles. Man, that wrecked me. So at what point did you were you like, oh, 100 miles? I really, it might have been our neighbor, Ben, may have talked me into it. Oh, I know what happened. 
I was running one morning and I was praying because I did have, I'd written on like a goal that I wanted to do was to run a hundred miles. And I was running and praying and I was like, Lord, should I do this? Should I not? It's a big commitment for Benji and me. It's, it's a lot of time. And I was like, God, will you just like, let me know if I should run a hundred miles. And so I get back from to the house that morning and I have a text from our neighbor that says, Hey, there are eight more spots left in open for the Georgia Jewel if you want to sign up. And I was like, well, I guess this is my sign. I'll sign up. (laughs) So I signed up for the Georgia Jewel and I knew going into it. So for the, my, for that 50 miler, a lot of it, I had taken on the, oh, it's all in your mind. So that means I don't really need to train my body quite as much. And (laughs) I didn't physically prepare for it like I should have. But then going into Georgia Jewel, for me, I I knew for myself, I wanted to know, okay, I want to put in the work and get there to the race and know I've done everything I can and I've prepared well and I've really built a quality foundation for myself because I knew for the 50 miler I hadn't. So going into Georgia Jewel, I was excited and that was kind of my challenge was to see like, can I really put in the work to get myself there? Um, yeah, so. Well, and you finished that race. Yeah. That, that your first hundred miler, which is a big deal. Thanks to Biscuit over (laughs) here. She's patting me on the shoulder. (laughs) I I have to ask because, you know, I, I saw some, some, uh, footage from that race. Oh yeah. And, uh, would you say, would you go as far as to say you got reduced to a, a pile of mashed up butthole or. Yeah, recap that that last 18 miles for uh, us. Yeah, I just want to hear, like, because it got ugly. It looked like it got pretty ugly. Yeah, pretty so, ugly. I, I want to I know maybe your 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 biggest or your top two biggest lessons learned from that because there had to have been a bunch because you just came, came out of that into the race you just did and won. So what were the lessons that you learned there? So around, I don't know. Mile 70, I thought it would be, a. I had really good, like, positive self-talk. My mind stayed in a good place. And then I just hit a place where my, I was just mentally tired to keep positively self-talking. Um, <laughs> and I also decided that, you know what, this food thing, I'm just not crazy about it. So I'm going to stop eating. I only have 30 miles. I mean, I was eating some, but hardly at all. So I roll into an aid station and I have tears rolling down my face and I tell Brooke, I'm like, I think this is the pain cave. (laughs) And she goes, she goes, it'll, it'll only last an hour. You'll be out of it in an hour, which you said in hindsight, you didn't actually know how long it would last. No. Yeah. No clue. That was just you trying to encourage me. So we roll into like aid station at Snake Creek around mile 80 And I knew, like, keep moving forward. It's all in your mind. Don't give pain a voice. But I was just like, I was done. You were also wearing really cheap socks. They were cute, though. And your shoes, the insole on your shoe had been moving the whole time, so your feet were wrecked. Always glue the insoles into your running shoes. Yeah, sure. First thing you do when you buy them is just glue your insoles in. 
Her feet were just, I mean, every step you were wincing. I mean, it was bad. I had, yeah, I had blisters all over the bottom of my feet. I felt, I was so tired because at that point I'd been there a really long time. And I was so sleepy. I really thought I was going to pass out. And I had points where I was thinking in my mind, like, okay, if I decide to pass out, can they get a helicopter up here to get me <laughs> off this mountain? those same thoughts on mine I know it was 30 miles <laughs> but yeah I was really thinking that of like man how expensive would that bill be does insurance cover that <laughs> dang we have a lot of basic course students wonder about how, if any helicopters are coming it's hard to get a helicopter you got to be in a tight spot if they send a helicopter for you yeah <laughs> and you got to be in a spot where they can get to you too yeah well I so and I also knew don't die in the chair. So, but this one I was like, please, can I just sit down in a chair? Um, Brooke and one of the other members of our crew peeled my socks off. My feet were like destroyed. So it was mostly my feet and eat not eating was like my big, my two biggest things that mm. I knew when I went into um, this recent endurance hunter. I knew I have to keep eating and I have to wear quality socks and. Those, I mean, I went back and reread my notes I'd written after Georgia Jewel, and I knew from day one, this is my, these are the two things. There's some things you can't control. These are two things I can control. I can wear better socks, and I can eat food, even if I don't want to. Yeah. You know what happens when you um, try to, when you drive your car and you don't put gas in it? Stops going. Oh, she stopped going. Yep, that's the exact same thing that happens in running. I tell people that all the time. But if you eat the wrong things, you can end up in a situation where you can't eat because you're you're just puking stuff up or your stomach is completely shut down. So not only do you have to eat, but you have to be disciplined enough to eat the right stuff. Oh, yeah. For me, that's fruit. Mainly fruit, I would say. What were... Okay. We'll, we'll save that for this next coming up race. But you got anything le- other than that on the Georgia Jewel Blue? I just wanted to emphasize, like, <clears throat> if I ever do a higher mileage race, I will fall back on watching Kelsey go through that because she was literally walking at, like, a snail's pace. I don't know how to explain it. She was taking a step every five seconds. And then she would stop and put her hands on her knees and bend over and tell me, I think I'm going to pass out. And she would start falling over and I'd have to catch her. And you had diarrhea (laughs) and you were, I mean, she was a wreck. Like I too was thinking, like, how am I going to get her out of here? Like we had already gone five or six miles and the next aid station was like 18. It was 18. I think it was 11. 11. Next aid station. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. And I was like, I don't. There was no, we weren't in near any roads. We were on a ridge and I was like, how, what am I going to do? And she pushed through that and she slowed down. I mean, I don't know, just, just for the listeners to understand like how bad of a place you were in and you ended up running the last three miles. Nothing else compares. That's what I, that's why I'm so adamant about this race distance. Nothing else compares to that. I don't care how hard your CrossFit workout was. I don't care how hard your triathlon was. I don't care. You get reduced to just a You've puddle of You've never done a triathlon. Mud. I have done triathlons. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. You just get reduced to a puddle of mud on a on a 100-mile race like no other. 
Well, I will say, I I tell people, if you want to know how much your friends love you, go do 100 miles. Because I knew how much my friends, and like Brooke and Benji, when they had to stand on either side of me and literally pick me up out of the chair to keep me to keep going. Because I didn't want to, Right then I wanted to quit or I wanted the permission to quit, but they knew, no, this is a goal and we're going to keep you going. We're going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, if you want to know how much you're loved, go run a hundred miles. What's on on your mind? So how long were you, were you actually out there? Like what's the total hours that you were out there? I think, is that 34 hours? That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think 34. But that yeah. start time was in the evening, which makes it, we found, which makes it a lot harder because you're also awake for a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah, you're going into the race doesn't start till noon and you've got half a day of sleep deprivation already right on the front end. Yep. Instead of like a race starting at seven. Yeah, I agree. So... Biggest lessons learned at George Jewel were got to take care of your feet and you got to eat. Yep. Got to eat the right stuff. All right. Those are huge lessons. And I would agree those are some of the most important lessons to serve you when you're running that type of distance. Um, now, you come off the George Jewel. Were you, were you like, oh, man, this is it? I'm doing another one of these or, or was, or was it like, I'm never doing this again. I think I was, I let myself be kind of neutral for a couple days. Well, I knew that I was going to do another one when the next morning I woke up and Benji said, Kelsey, I think if we just take care of your feet and get you to eat, you can win this next year. Mm. And so when I know that Benji believes in me like that, then that just boosts me so much. And I was like, okay. And even if I didn't do another one until Georgia Jewel this year, I knew I was going to do Georgia Jewel Mm -hmm. 2022. Mm -hmm. Now, you are very dedicated to your training, which is one thing that really impresses me about you because I'm a little different. I rely more on just pure grit and hoping that I can hold it together longer than other people because maybe I'm more trained mentally. I've just been through a lot. You're dedicated to your training. Going into this race that you just won, the Endurance Hunter, um, how did you train and how did you train differently? So my for Georgia Joel, I kept a log and I would – track, okay, where did I run? How long did I run for? Um, I don't really time my runs, but um, for this one, I started off the same way, and I just wasn't kind of in the best mental season at the time, and so I was kind of missing a good bit of, of training runs, and then I was really beating myself up looking at my schedule and being like, dang, I'm really behind on my training, and I'm not hitting the mileage, so, because you work two jobs, right? Yeah, I work two part-time jobs. Yeah, comes out to about full-time. Her social life is an additional job. Yeah, your social butterfly. You work two jobs, so yeah, 
the schedule fills up quick. Okay. Yeah. So how did you combat that? So what I decided to do was just kind of love running again of mm. it felt it felt like work training this time. So just let me just run and listen to my body and do what feels good. And obviously there are times you're out there running, you're like, I feel like I'd ready to stop and you need to keep going. But in general, it was just, okay, I've got two or three hours. I'm just going to go run for two or three hours and not worry about how far I'm going. I'm just going to run what it feels like. And obviously with the amount of time I've been running, I have a general idea of like, this was around eight-ish miles. Yeah. You get an idea, but tried to like stop running with my pack on so that that way my back could just feel a little bit lighter and, and just enjoy the experience of going out. And, um, I had one day where I was in the woods up at Barrie and I was just trying to just relax and kind of breathe and, I was like, I don't want to be out here on this land and feel like I'm using the land. Like I'm in nature, but I don't want to use the land. I want to be like one with the Lord's creation. Like you want I to be want, appreciating it. Right. Yeah. I want to just stop and pause. So like this time, just a lot more of like, let me just stop and pause and take in the beauty and breathe and be like, thank you, Lord, so much for just getting to be out here mm -hmm. and just the freedom I have so I kind of stopped trying to track my runs and just let myself be that's a great training philosophy and I think there are a lot of a lot of very elite runners that follow that same philosophy Courtney DeWalter being one uh, from what I've heard her talk about it's similar to how she trains I learned that lesson early on in my racing um, career if you would say the races that I was very regimented in preparation for. I always did the worst on them. But the races that I did and trained the way you're talking about training, I did the best on them. So people right now, some some of you guys listen to this are saying, running can never be fun because running sucks right now. You're thinking that in your head, right? Yeah, I know. You're a listener. I know you're thinking that. Let me tell you. The more you have to ease into this, and the more you run, your body actually makes adaptations, mm -hmm. and running becomes fun, relaxing, and in a sense, actually easy. Depending on pace, you can adjust your pace, but if you run a manageable pace, it is a fun thing, but you have to work your way up to that point. And once it gets to that point, I believe that running should always stay fun. I think it's the only sustainable way to train. And when you look at running, you have to, I think the way you talked about the way you were viewing the trail and, you know, the, the land as being, oh, I'm just using this trail as a tool to gain the fitness that I feel like I need to perform. If you look at it that way, you're going to miss it, man. It's not going to be fun. So very, very good explanation of that in general how many miles a week do you think you put in or what no what was your biggest training week like mileage wise it doesn't have to be exact but just roundabout what was your biggest training week this is putting me on the spot because i really don't know well, um, she didn't track it 
Well, well yeah, but I mean, are we talking a 100-mile week or are we talking a 30-mile week? Or did you go out daily? Go out he daily? was usually tending to run. It, it, it would tinker between like three, four, five days a week. And then I might run like two 15-milers back like one day and then the next day again. And then go run three the next day and then wait a couple of days and run eight. So just kind of random then. Yeah, kind of random. Um, I always feel bad when sometimes people are like, "Oh, what is your well, what's your mileage week like?" I'm like, "I don't know." Sounds, sounds like sounds like forty to fifty mile weeks. Yeah, would probably be. Yeah. Yeah, for and that's kind of your high workload, right? Yeah. Getting, preparing for the race. We also we biked. I feel like we biked a good bit this time around so that's a huge tool man yes. well yeah because she was burned out at first like she said she was coming to me and kelly and she's like man this training is just not as fun as it was and we were like well let's start biking more yeah like mix it up yeah, yeah. well i want to move ahead to the story of um wait can i do one more thing yeah go ahead baby tell and them you too caitlin if you got anything chime in tell them about what you and rachel did to get ready for the race oh yeah so um we have a friend rachel and she is she's preparing for her first 100 miler coming up in a couple weeks and so she has never experienced sleep deprivation and so she started where you run them one to two miles at the top of every hour for 24 hours so we parked in a field um kind of set up little camps camp setting and at the top of every hour, we would go run one to two miles. And I mean, especially it was cold in, at nighttime. Um, but we pushed through that and I, I slept a little bit more than she did. I had a couple times because we'd also both been up since 7 a.m., worked a full day. And then we started running at 7 p.m. that night and we're running all the way through till 7 p.m. the next day. Um, so, but that, that was really great. It was, it was really fun to see her experience that for the first time. And I was like, oh man, I forgot. I don't like to be sleep deprived, <laughs> but that was a great training tool. And I felt that by the, the next day, my body felt fine. And I was like, wow. Cause I think we did roughly mid thirties mileage wise total for that 24 hours. And it was really encouraging for me to go on long runs and then the next day feel completely fine. So that's when I knew, okay, my body's feeling good because I can put some miles on it in a day and I'm not hurting at all mm -hmm. the next day. Yeah. And that brings up another great point for the listeners. If you're uh, looking at, if you're to the point that you're looking at your first hundred miler, sleep deprivation is going to come into play without a doubt. And I want to... I want to tell you that you cannot train sleep deprivation. In other words, you can't be better at functioning sleep deprived. You can train and react better to it. All right. You understand the difference? Like you can't build up. You don't have a sleep deprivation muscle. But if you do something like Kelsey talked about and you get to experience that prior to race day, you know what it's going to feel like, mm -hmm. um, and you you learn how to deal with it better in terms of how you react to it. So 
I don't recommend doing something like that if you already know what that type of sleep deprivation feels like. Don't think that going out and doing something like that once a week is going to make you better. It's actually going to make you less fit. But for a one-time go before your big race, I think it's a wonderful idea. It really is. Um, So, we were out doing a training run. Got anything, Caitlin? All right. We were out doing a training run. Y'all know me, man. I'll just take this podcast slap over. Yeah, we did know. y'all know that? Did <laughs> y'all noticed. know this is the premier ultra running podcast? The three of seven podcast is the premier ultra running podcast. Of course. How so, about like East Coast and those ones that have been around for oh, so no. long? No, three of seven podcast premier ultra running podcast on uh, any network. Like one the out world. one out of seven episodes is about ultra running. Well, yeah, I've done. You don't. Yeah, it's still the premiere. It's probably because <laughs> the races that have y'all have done have been pretty epic. Like, yeah, there's some good stories behind them. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> You're just uh, really bossy today, babe. Well, I'm in a room with three just, strong women. I got to boss up a little bit or I'm going to get ran over. You're just telling everybody how they should do everything and what's what. And This is my wheelhouse. This is what I run it. This is what I do. I run. <laughs> what? Boy, I'm going to get you after this. <laughs> um, okay. We were out for a training run one day with Kelsey, like, what was that, like two weeks before the race or whatever? It was three weeks, 15 days before the race. Okay, 15 days before the race. We're out on a tra- training run slash bike. We were doing 20 miles that day, 10-mile bike, 10-mile run. And um, we're just running along, and Kelsey's talking about this her race schedule, which is insane, by the way. You signed up for, like, this was the first of how many 100-milers you're going to do this year? Three. Three, Okay. That's insane. Don't recommend that either. We can talk about that later. Aussie. But um <laughs> hey, we're out on this run and I and you know, I, I think about Kelsey a lot because she's a special person in our lives and um almost well just like family. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I'm always thinking about wow, Kelsey's really doing a lot of work and she's really uh, becoming a really good trail runner. So I've been thinking these things in my head all the time. And then I'm just listening to you talk about your race schedule and your upcoming race. And, you know, you, I, I felt like you were in the mindset of like, I'm just going to go out here and just do better than I did at Georgia Jewel. Like, I just want to make an improvement, right? Yeah. Is that the mindset you were, you felt like you were in or? Yeah, I was in the mindset of like, I want to enjoy this, enjoy the experience. Yeah. I think sub subconsciously, also consciously, knowing I'm a, I'm a little nervous to like vocalize, oh, I think I want to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I was. So I was getting that from you, which is totally okay, man. If that's what you want out, like... If all you want out of running is community and to be able to experience cool trails and cool places, that's enough. But you're putting in a lot of work and you're getting really good at running. And so all I did was I did the same thing 
I passed something along that was passed along to me. All right. I said, you know what, Kelsey? You know you could win this race, right? Like, I, I think that you could be competitive. I think you could win. And um, that is what happened to me. Same thing. When I first started ultra running, I ran a few races, and a good friend of mine approached me and said, hey, man, you know, you're pretty good at this. You could actually win. And I, it flipped a switch in my mind. Like, okay, I needed to hear that from somebody. And that's an important switch to get flipped. So I passed that along, and you kind of milled it over for not very long, maybe a half an hour. Yeah, well, because you were saying something about, we were talking about the difference between race experiences of winning versus just going out to just enjoy your experience. Yeah. And Brooke said, well, Kelsey wants to win. And because you had been kind of pushing like the, you got to try like the winning experience at some point. Mm -hmm. And when I remember when Brooke said that, I was like, in my mind, I was like, yeah, that resonates with me. Like, I kind of do want to win. <laughs> <laughs> and then I asked, well, is it too late for us to decide that we want to win? <laughs> no. Because you had been putting the work in. You had been training like you you had been training like you would have trained if you wanted to win the whole time. So it wasn't too late. Which I think is a an important distinction to point out here. Um when you decide, when you flip that switch in Kel like Kelsey did that day, Kelsey Delaney Britt. Um <laughs> And you decide you want to win, well, guess what? Good on you. You can't will that into existence. I was talking to Nathan Hicks about this today. You can't just decide you want to win and just go win. <laughs> like, you have to decide you want to win, and you got to put the work in to win. And the important thing about getting that first win under your belt is getting to know what that feels like once it, it it's it's a momentum thing once you actually decide you want to win you put the work in and then you go out and you get first place it's like a snowball effect from that point on you know you have the capability to do that um so it's important i think it's important if you're going to do if you want to be competitive to get that first win under your belt even if it's not at a big, highly competitive, crazy spotlight race, just get that win. A win is a win. You were the best one there that day, and a win is a win. And it's the feeling you get when you cross the finish line. You can bank that, man, and it builds momentum. I think it's important. So how your mindset kind of changed there, how did that affect you from that point leading up to the start line? Or did it at all? I think it was just mostly... I don't, It didn't, like, affect me physically. And anyway, I mean, at that point, it's too late to... You can't try and do anything to... Oh, I'm going to get fit now. Yeah. You're too, too close to your race. But um, I think just talking to 
my crew, I knew I had a solid crew of Brooke and Kelly, um, our neighbor, Ben, who he runs a good bit. Kelly's husband, Stuart, was coming out. He's an experienced ultra runner. Um, my sister was coming out. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. So it was like... Very I stacked. Yes, and the biggest part was I, I got home from that run, and um, after we had talked about that, and I was like, okay, I think I want to run want to win that want to win this got home and saw Benji and I was like hey I think we're gonna try and win and he was like all right (laughs) and so for me that is a huge piece like I was talking about earlier of just knowing that Benji believes in me and so when I know that Benji is on board he is Mr. Detail and so I know that he's gonna have everything lined up to where during the race I can just go run and he's going to get everything organized. So um, just making sure, okay, I have to be on top of my nutrition. Like there is no other option, but Mm -hmm. I really didn't transition that much. It was, I I remember a couple times just pausing and being like, wow, like my mind, I really do want to be competitive and I haven't let myself be. But I don't know if maybe it just hasn't been the time or the season, but it felt kind of relieving and kind of a weight lifting of this is fun. Like, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. And so just not like I never had a point where I was starting to get tense. Of, oh, my gosh, I have to go out here and do really good. But it just was like, OK, yeah, let's go do this. Yeah. And, yeah. and you told your crew, y'all got to freaking tighten up, son. <laughs> we're going we're going to win. Yeah, that was really exciting to be like, all right, y'all. So we're going to win. You know, I think you you had a committed crew. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know about solid. You had a committed crew. What is that supposed to mean? Well, I mean, talking about Brooke specifically. I think he's talking about that. I didn't ask him to pace. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, he asked, why didn't you ask me? And then Kelsey, about 10 minutes later, Kelsey goes, Chad, will you pace me? And he goes, no. I'll be out of town. (laughs) Yeah. What a turd. What a turd. All right. Well, now we're going to go. We're going to talk about the actual race. And Biscuit, you were there. So take us where you want to take us. I think I think you should just, I mean, the parts, I think you should just tell it from the beginning and just tell people the experience. Yeah. So I got a fart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I waited to talk so that everybody is, could hear it. Are you for real? Sorry. This I don't want to miss anything. Well, hold on. Literally thousands of people are going to hear your fart. This they can't hear it, really. Oh, they! Do, I heard they, it. They probably can. Y'all I heard it. it. This isn't the first one. Something happened earlier, too. <laughs> oh, it's bad. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> Sorry, if, Kelsey. If you want to... That is okay. This we is, just went from thousands of <laughs> listeners to ten. This, it's no, just gas. No, this is important for the people to know. Hear ye when I say, when you run, you will fart. <laughs> oh yeah, it's an it's a natural thing, especially when you're eating a bunch of goose and fart terrible and, food. Fart and poo. Oh yeah, we got some good. St- we'll get to them. Oh, yeah, okay. I have a I've got a good poo story. Sorry, Sorry for that. that interruption. Carry on, you biscuit. Take us. Take it where you want to take it. You don't were there. Don't say biscuit. I, she can handle that train. Okay. 
She's got it. Send it. I want to hear about. I want to hear about this race. All right. So we packed up, left, got up there. Um, Seven a.m. race start. So we were ready, and I mean, I felt a little bit of jitters ahead of time, but I felt good. It's what I knew going into it that um, I've been doing a lot of mental trying to find mental rest. So you've been listening to three seven podcast and listen. Yes. Okay. Yes. Should and have plenty <laughs> of mental rest then. Taking, but also with that, I've listened to a couple of books and really trying to breathe and let my mind and body rest. Um, and knew going into this of, I want for this time, I had a goal time and I knew I want during this time for it to be just me and the Lord in the woods. And I want for my mind to get to a resting place with him. Um, cause over the past few weeks, it's been, I want to know the Lord for who he is and not for it's like, so often we're trying to pray. We're trying to read our Bible journal. And I just had like, I always felt like, okay, I'm not doing enough. So I knew going into this of, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like regardless of what I do, like God is still God. So I want to experience him like that on this run. So start off 7 a.m. It's snowing and 30 degrees, which it wasn't that, it felt great. I loved it. It's like, I love the cold weather. We've been training in that all winter. So start off and it's in downtown Blue Ridge. Then the first couple miles, I'm like, all right, Kelsey, like during this time, I want for don't wait till you're halfway through the race to be like, oh, I forgot to intentionally rest with the Lord. So (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, okay, so just trying to kind of think back through like, okay, what are some things that I've been journaling about or had on my mind that I want to rest in? And so um, through some pieces coming together, I came up with my mantra for the race. Um, And this would be something that I would repeat throughout the entire time but um I was like Lord what are what are you who am I and like what are you trying to say to me that I'm not hearing I just want to sit and be with you and hear from you and I got it's like okay I I want to be a warrior I want to compete like that's why I'm coming out here to try and win today um, and then, um, oh, my third win. Oh, I, um, it's like, I want to win. And so I tend to, I mean, a lot of people be like, Kelsey, you're so nice. You're so sweet. So because of that, a lot of times I'll try to not be too abrasive or just kind of be gentle and be kind. Kind of like me. Yeah. You yeah. know, just a sweet little soft fuzzy bunny rabbit. Yeah. Huh. He idols you. Sure. Yeah. Please let me be more like Kelsey. Exactly. I wish. <laughs> so your your mantra was So yeah. So my okay. mantra Which is important by the way. Yeah. And um was I it like clicked and I was like, Great, here it goes. And so it was I am a warrior. I am a competitor. I am a winner. And that would be something throughout whenever it got hard, it was, 
I am a warrior. Like I am a warrior physically. I want to be a warrior for the kingdom of Christ. Um, I'm a competitor. Like I want to compete and be the best. And if not, be, like, be my best. Like, there's always going to be people that are better than you at seasons. But, like, I want to be the best that God has created me to be. And then I'm a winner. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna do all I can to push and lay it all out there. Yeah. And I, that's, re- like, it was really fun. And it pays to be a winner in life. It does pay to be a winner. And we're also going over the seven attributes of a warrior in the One Minute with Chad episodes. I'll be interested to get your feedback on that since that's part of your mantra, what that means to be a warrior to you, right? Yeah. So that's really cool, man. That mantra is important. Mm-hmm. It's important. that that I think your mantra ties a lot into your why, which we have a whole video, Enough Said Running, about your why, which is a huge, huge part of getting you through a race. So that's really cool. Did you Were you saying that out loud? Yeah, so I'd say it out loud. Um, and then kind of following from that, it was, I quickly realized I don't have a why for this race. Like I had a why for, of like, okay, I'm kind of curious to see what my mind does. I want for my mind to respond better when I hit that tough spot. Um, but my why saying that I came up with shortly after was I do hard things so I can go deep and develop a rich character. Um, and so like I do hard things. I'm doing this race so that I can go deep. So for me that's like sleep deprivation when it's getting really tough and I can build a rich character. And so like a rich character for me is like in this was persistence can like in steadfast enduring. Mm-hmm. Um, you better have that these days. Yeah. You better have that type of character these days. Yeah. So that was with that. And then like from there, it kind of had a couple like little trickle down where it's like the answer, the answer is in me for this race. Like, and I guess for always is like the answer is in me. And I'm not saying that I am the answer at all, but the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit is the answer because that's the spirit of God. And so when, like I remember this one section, it was it was a pretty booger of a section um, when we'd gotten lost and then I had, I was kind of in some pain with my knee, but I was like, the answer is in me. Like if I'm going to keep moving forward, me complaining about this to Ben, who's with me, that's not going to get me anywhere. Like, if I'm going to move forward, if I'm going to win this, and if I'm going to compete, that is within me. And I have to be willing to let myself go deep enough within me mm-hmm. to find that. And that was where, like, that kind of that rest came was I don't have to be searching everywhere mm. for the answer. Come on. Like, the answer's the answer is right here with me. Yeah. And I mean, like there were sections where I'd be running by myself and I'd start, I am a warrior. I am a competitor. I am a winner. (laughs) And that like go through everything. And I just knew like to this is me moving forward. If I'm going to get anything done, 
I just got to trust like, okay, Holy Spirit's with me. And I'm going to go deep within myself. And you have your crew there to keep go, keep you going, feeding you, encouraging you. But you do hit a point where it's you making that decision. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Do you know how many people, you, you don't know, but I know, how many people. Imagine that. We train. Well, no, because she, she's not me. How many people we train at the basic course and at anything that we do. You know, 3-7 Project is a training company, along with being the premier ultra-running podcast. But how many people we train that have all the answers to their questions? But what holds them back is a whole array of things. Um, whether it's lack of courage, um, like just timidness, uh, whether it's um, a self-confidence issue, whether it's not wanting to rub someone the wrong way, I see that so often, and I so relate to the statement you just made. The answer is within you, and I think a part of that is you know the answer to many of the questions that you have. Uh, you know the answer to solve many of the problems that you are facing in life. You know the answer. One of the big problems is is when you actually call that answer out, you got to put in that it's going to require some work, right? I think that's another thing that stop people stops people when they're faced with the challenge, whether it's to lead, whether it's to follow, whether it's whatever in their life, they say, "Well, I know what really needs to be done here, but man, that's going to require me to actually step up." And do something. So they stop, they get stopped in their tracks. And most people want to wait for someone just to tell them what to do. That's the mindset of most people. That's why many people fail, is because they just want to be told what to do. Right? And you're never going to get anywhere like that. Never. So that really resonated with me a lot. I want to hear about when did this race get hard so like when did like at what point did you say okay we're going deep now that was gonna be my question boo all you do is sit over there and fart (laughs) y'all are married you're one it's a good question well brooke that's a great question i'm glad you asked good question biscuit (laughs) whatever um so, I'm trying to think of when it got hard. I ro- Let's see. I was. It was on the section where I was with Kelly. So, probably around mile 60. Um, I had, coming out, I checked in at Mulberry Gap Aid Station, halfway point, and I can pick up a pacer. And we were coming down the hill, and I felt... That was when I felt the pop in my knee. And I was like, well, that didn't feel good. Um, And so as we kept going, I was like, I can still walk. I'm not going to die. And that was, I think, when it really, I had to go in my mind and be like, bend your knee and make it move forward. Um, and then that was also right about when sleep deprivation came in 
because I mean, I start getting sleepy around like eight o'clock at night. And at this point it's like, we, we'd been in the dark for a couple hours probably. And, um, I was, I was sleepy, but I, I knew from past experience, like, okay, this will pass. And at some time, at some point I'll wake up again and get like that second wind. But, um, Kelly was doing a great job of, we were chatting and, um, she was doing a great job pulling out dad jokes. So that was really keeping me going. And, um, we rolled into the next aid station and we were approaching it. And I was like, Kelly, I just, I want to take a nap. Like if I can just take an, I need a, I need a reset was what I was wanting. It's like, if I can just take like a five or 10 minute nap, I can get a reset. She was like, okay, well, let's figure out how we can reset another way. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> she was like, how about we change your clothes and put on a clean top and then we'll do a little party dance and then you can keep going. <laughs> I was like, okay, Kelly. So we got in, ate some good potatoes and coffee. And I did, I picked up my poles at that point and um, passed off to Ben, started pacing me then. And I felt pretty awake on that section and we were going uphill and I was like, wow, I feel, this is it. I'm awake. I feel great. Let's get this. And then that is when we got lost for two hours on the trail. Um, And so we, my watch also died at that point. And then, so I couldn't know when we were hitting miles. So at this point, we don't really know how many miles we've gone because we've been going back and forth on this one section, can't figure out where we are. And it was a, I think it's like a nine mile loop on the inside of Fort Mountain. And it was super technical. Like you'd go up some rocks, come down some rocks, go up some rocks, go down some steps. Oh, let's go out to this overlook. Now let's go back in the woods. Let's do these switchbacks. And it was dark. And it was dark. And neither one of us knew how much further we had. And we'd been out there extensively longer than we needed to be. So at this point, we're getting low on food and water. And that was... Like when I think back of like, when did I really do some self-talk? That was the section. I knew I was moving slower. That was the slowest section I moved on. But I knew the answer is in you, Kelsey. Like you got to keep moving. You got to pick your foot up. And my knee was hurting pretty bad at that point. But we made it back to the aid station, praise the Lord. And when we rolled in, that I think that was my... That was my lowest point. Yeah, that so that piled up all pretty quick. Yeah. So now you're dealing with three issues that would take some people completely out of the race. Mm-hmm. One, your knee is bothering you, which is scary. So you've got to deal with that in your mind. Like, oh, crap, what is this thing? This could This could jack me up. This could take the result I wanted to achieve out of the equation. Then you get lost, which a lot of people, they get lost on a race, especially fi- a five-mile deviation from the course. They're just going to say, screw this, man. Why am I still – I've just lost all this time. 
I'm not, I'm not going to run another 50 miles. And your watch is dead, which is a mental challenge too, because you're so used to being able to see the progress that you're making. Now that's taken away from you. That's a big reason that I recommend to people don't always run with the GPS watch and don't always run with your stupid headphones <clears throat> because you don't you will become dependent on those things. You will become mentally dependent on your watch and also on the music or podcast or whatever it is you listen to while you run. Intentionally train without those things multiple times a week just so if that happens to you on race day, it doesn't take you out mentally. So that's a lot of stuff piled up all at once and you get to this next stage station and you said that's when you're at your low point so what happened so i roll in and i knew i knew i'm going to keep moving forward and i knew i was going to win um not not so much like i mean anything can happen but i knew that i was committed to i'm going to do everything i can to win um but at this point i was like i I'm tired, but I'm going to keep moving. And I uh, got some food, got some food in me. And I knew I am naturally a teary person. So I let my waterworks flow sometimes. And I, I looked at Kelly and she was like, you're okay. And I was like, I know I'm okay. I'm just, I'm just really tired. And she's like, you're going to, you're going to keep moving. I was like, I know I'm going to keep moving. And then I hear Brooke in the background. you got to get her up off the ground right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just coming in loud and harsh. You know, Brooke used to have a shirt that said loud and harsh on it. You remember that biscuit? I do remember that. But in the best way I've complimented her. Like I need that. Um, and I knew, I knew, okay, this is her in, but I'm going to keep going. And so we got up, I'd gotten cold at that point, and we just kept moving, and we went out on, and got to see the sunrise, and climb some silly hills. I was just like, at one point I was kind of laughing in my mind of like, I can't be mad, like this is just one of the silliest hills I've ever climbed. Um, Like silly steep? Silly steep and long. Yeah. Like forever and it was at mile like 86 maybe oh man and ben looked at me it's like you gotta put your big girl panties on and get up this hill (laughs) i was like okay i'm coming um but i had so what i did know was during this section because we had the gps trackers i knew that i was had some distance and had bought some time um ahead of the second place runner which with that i knew okay i don't want to just i want to maintain the integrity of my race regardless of where the second place girl is but that also gave me a little bit of relief of i'm going to move the best i can but i that just kind of took a layer of stress off not freaking out about like where is she somebody's right on my heels yeah 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 because if, if you would have gotten lost and didn't have that GPS tracker, you would probably think, well, they just passed me. Yeah. Like five miles is a lot. Yeah. But so I think as the sun came up, like I'm mentally was 
awake. I felt really good. Um, I'd kept eating the whole time. Um, my feet were in great shape and I would do like the function check. Like, how did my feet feel? My feet feel great. Ankles feel great. Calves, thighs, like hips feel great. No, mm-hmm. no joints are hurting. Um, my knee was a little wonky. And so, but it was like, I like, I feel, I feel good. And we just kept moving. Then met Brooke and we kept moving. Then got my sister last eight miles and we kept moving. So, yeah. That's great. And her, her knee ended up being her IT band, which is such a common pain. And the first time I had it, normally it manifests as a sharp pain on the outside of your knee. Um, And it normally will start there and you'll just feel it in your knee. And I remember the first time it happened to me, I was like, man, I injured my knee. Like Mm -hmm. something, you know, and you don't realize that it, the IT band stretches from the outside of your knee to your hip. And that stuff can get so, so, you've had it before, haven't you? Oh, I've had it debilitating. It is like like to where I almost couldn't even walk. Yeah. When you're going downhill. It's like a sharp and it was something I knew, like, man, I wish that I mentally, like, you hear about people, like, I ran a race on a broken ankle. But I was like, oh, man, like, I'm going to keep moving. But it was, like, there were, a couple, like, several times where it was, like, just this shooting pain that would just take my breath away. Yeah. I'm like. Oh. IT band, yeah, but that's great about IT band. It's a really sharp pain. Have you had it, Caitlin? Mm-mm. Well, you got those runner's legs. So, well, um, Biscuit, you told me when I was having it and I was doing one of my 50Ks, y'all just doped me up on naproxen. Yeah, it's not an injury. Well, hold on. I wasn't done. Biscuit told me, don't worry. There's nothing bad can happen. Your IT band, it's just going to hurt. And I was like, oh, cool. So I just kept running on the pain. And then next month I met someone who did that and they snapped their IT band and had to get surgery. Yeah, I don't believe that person did that okay let me look it up while you guys <laughs> no, continue no, no, talking no, no. it's all Can good you my phone please Kelsey? um mr know-it-all you know wow what what uh thank you kelsey talked about the function check and we teach this to all of our students and it's something that i utilize it sounds like kelsey now utilizes and i think a lot of people get confused when they say well you're asking me to do a function check but then you're telling me to not give my pain a voice So I just want to clear that up real quick. The way you use a function check is to identify issues. So you're going from the bottom of your feet, checking in with each muscle group and each joint and each aspect of your body, um, including your mind. Where are, where am I in all these different aspects of myself? And so what the function check is for is so that you can identify issues like IT band pain, like a blister, um, maybe your mindset's getting a little negative, whatever. You pick that stuff up in your function check, and when you find these issues, you're not finding them for the purpose of complaining about them. All right? You're trying to identify these issues so that you can compensate for them or fix them before they become a debilitating issue that takes you out of the race. All right? So if you're doing a function check, you're doing a race, and you have this massive blister on your heel, and you get to a, you've identified it, 
you don't complain about it. You're out on the trail. There's nothing you can do about it. You just got to run with that blister until you get to a place where you can do something about it. And then it's okay to tell one of your crew members, hey, I got a freaking massive blister on my heel. Let's take care of this real quick before it takes me out of the race, right? You guys understand the difference between the two? So if you do a function check and you catch something and you're not in a place to do anything about it, then you just keep going. You make a mental note of it and you just keep going, right? But if you have an issue, don't ignore it when you're in the proper place in the proper time to actually do something about it. That's the difference between the two. I love that you're using that tool. It's a powerful tool. I do it on the mid-state mile. Every loop, I do a function check, and it keeps me going. And you talked about that sunrise. That sunrise is an amazing thing, just the new energy that it brings. And, you know, the, the darkest, coldest, nastiest part of the night is that 3, 4 a.m., right before the sun rises. It's just the natural part of the process. I think it's a part of the natural world in terms of whatever battle you're going through. It's always going to get the absolute worst, nasty, crappy, right as the dawn is about to break. Think about that, guys. That's how it works in nature. I believe that's how it works in life. It takes a lot of people out. They're literally about to break through. And whether it's an accomplishment, um, completing a challenge, uh, or facing something that they're going through in life that life has just brought to their doorstep, they're about to break through, but they're going through those dark, cold, nasty hours and they decide to stop. And if only they could see far enough to know that the sun is about to rise, they would have kept going. But it's amazing how that sunrise literally brings a new energy to you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can tear your IT band, by the okay, way. Okay, I believe it. Okay. Baby, I told you before we left and came over here that you're a genius. You remember that? I said I view you as a genius. Yeah. I don't. I mean, me and you haven't been connecting the last few days, so I guess that's why I just feel like arguing with you. I feel really connected with you right now. Oh, my gosh. Back to your story. (laughs) I don't know if if everybody knows. I don't know if we announced this at the start when you were announcing my name, but Brooke is one of my best friends. Yeah, that's true. I hit on her at at a shut up. At this a hardware store. To the listeners, everybody's yeah. here for Brooke. Running is, thank you, that's sweet. Running is what brought me and her together. Yeah. But nobody cares about that awesome story, so I won't tell it. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Did you run with Kelsey at the end, boo-boo? No, I just got in three miles because one of the pacers had to leave. Okay. So her sister ran it in to the end. That's right. Yep. That's right. Well, since you want to talk about you guys awesome friendship how were those miles that y'all shared together because i heard you you almost got caught in a poo (laughs) you want me to tell it (laughs) well yeah you can tell it go ahead 
What were you going to say? Well, I had gotten caught in a poo earlier. We'll tell that one first. And the, the guy who I ended up running with <laughs> like, for a while was awesome. I'm trying to figure out like a, like a, like a fuss between y'all or like poop. Poop. Like a poop. <laughs> Number two. So we were to, <laughs> like a poop. Like, so I had, this was the section before I got with Brooke. I had been running and I'm like, all right, I need to, I'm going to need to catch up. I don't know how long I'm going to be, but I'll catch up. Um, and so I go off and there's these big, thick bushes and I'm like, this is a prime spot. (laughs) (laughs) Not realizing that I didn't calculate like the way the curve trailed or the, the trail, the trail curved that I was actually setting myself up right in front of (laughs) the trail on like on the other side. I thought, Oh, I've just gone around this curve. Nope. Um, so anyways, I am in there enjoying my jolly old time and (laughs) there, here comes this runner. He stops and looks and goes, you okay in there? Yeah. You don't do that. (laughs) Why would you do that? Yeah. And then I'm like, yep, I'm good. And he's, and then he like sees me and he realizes he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I just did that. And he kept running. Well, of course. Five minutes later, we catch back up to him. And I'm not going to say anything. Like, who cares? Whatever. And he looks at me just real nice. And he's like, I'm so sorry about back there. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I should know when someone goes in the woods. He's like, but in my mind, I was like, someone's in the woods and they're hurt. (laughs) I was like, well, I mean, I was kind of (laughs) hurting. Not like that. And then... Keep going. But yeah, so that was it. it the sun was up, but the moon was also out that day. <laughs> <laughs> and then that guy ended up being like the guy you uh, seesawed with the rest of the race. Yeah, like y'all yeah, yeah. hung together pretty much the whole He's time. great. Shout out to Jeff. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then our our story was there wasn't a wraparound. We were going down a mountain and she said, I have to go. And she found a spot. And I said, okay, I'm going to walk up the trail and watch for people. And people that haven't, I haven't run 100 miles, but at over 80 miles, you're not bending over very easily. And this is kind of a slow process. Yep. And so she goes and starts getting ready. And then here comes these guys. And I'll be dang if they're not running fast down the mountain. I didn't think anybody would be moving fast. And I said, I yelled and I told her, I said, here they come. And I could tell that she was just barely had gotten into her squat. So I just, and she was in the wide open. I mean, she had nothing between her and the trail. So I just said, screw it. And I ran over there ahead of those guys and just squatted down beside her in front of her. And then when they came by, of course, they naturally look. And I'm like, runner doing her business. Don't look. And they still were like, what? And like looking, you know, that's just. But Was that daytime? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like what Dang five God. or six feet from the trail well probably more well, than no that. we were we were off the trail but no no yeah. bushes or anything yeah but it's all right we protected well, something we can work on kelsey we i can coach you on how to poo in the woods privately what yeah what is, is what would that we can entail? work on that on our training runs how do you uh not together. Th- I don't. Yeah. No, we, I don't I, want a demonstration or no, anything. No, I'm just saying. Next training run will go on. I'll just make sure I point out some key places that would be great she for knows. Po- great to poo. She knows. She was just at. It, a hunt. I was at a point where it was like 
I, I remember, I think I told you like, oh my gosh, like I got to go. Like this is not a. She held it for you too long. You got struck. Yeah. Well, also the trail we were on was not a good trail for pooing. Like there was no, I mean, it just wasn't. Like it was steep. I, she, I've seen her out in the wilderness. She can pick a good poo spot. I'm here to okay. tell you. All right. And it wasn't, Thanks. yeah, she, she, she's got that okay. down. Thrill compliment. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. So um, I saw the video of you coming across the finish line and you had your Kelsey Delaney Britt Mark One Mod A smile on, son. You, it, you, I think <laughs> you wore that smile for like three days straight, man. Because when I saw you at the coffee shop the other day, you had the same smile on. I was like, she hadn't stopped. She hadn't stopped smiling since she uh, finished that race. So I, I was telling her about. I went over and saw her the day after, and we'll we'll get to the finish. But I was telling her about how you generally have like a I want to call it a come down but I, w- I would call it a crash like an emotional crash mm-hmm. after a race and I haven't seen Kelsey have that like Kelsey has been consistently Kelsey that she's, I can tell yeah, she's probably a little more emotionally mature than I am I think that's definitely true yeah you yeah. should you should try crying a little bit more Chad it's really good for you. I just wish I could she find could something. She probably give you some tips. Yeah. Yeah. I wish <laughs> I could find something that make me cry and not just be mad. My go-to is anger. Um. <laughs> so, the finish. So, we're all waiting on Kelsey, and there's this. The finish comes down like a mountain, and it switchbacks. And there, the announcer guy on the microphone is watching the GPS, and he was really cool. He was talking to whoever was coming up next because this hollow like funneled the sound and Mm -hmm. he had done it the year before and he said everyone could hear him. So he was talking to Kelsey and like yelling that she was first place female and telling jokes because that's her favorite. And I just thought, I thought that was really cool. I've never seen somebody do that. Yeah, it was, it was not, it was nice to like, to hear that. It was also like, I've got so many switchbacks to get there. But yeah, yeah, you could see you could see like the little flags and banners in the woods as you're coming down. Were you ready to be done? Uh yeah, I was hitting I was hitting a second wave of being tired at that point and we had run out of water a couple miles back and it was it was pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Compared to started in the snow, it was now like upper sixties. Yeah. No, it was it was upper seventies. That was a big shift that weekend. Yeah, it was pretty hot. Um, and the whole section we'd been on was all exposed. So, I was I was excited to to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you looked really good in the video. Thanks. I was like, she don't look like she just ran hundred miles. Thanks. She looked good. <laughs> How'd it feel? It. I think it's just like a very. I, I'm proud of myself. Like, I. I think, Brooke, I know I told you this. Of, I know it's not the fastest. I mean, it's not the fastest time anybody's ever laid down for a 100-miler. By but, the way, you can't look at times on 100-milers. You that's have to true. look at the course. This is, yeah, that's true. But it's like, on this day, I set out. I set out to do something, and I like because of just the growth that my mind had in that you live life in a day kind of thing. Like 
that is what I'm proud of is I set out to do something and I did more than what I thought I would do. And I got done and I was still with it. Like there wasn't ever a point where I was all fuzzy or like just not like last time. Right. And my body felt good. And I was really proud of myself of I've, I've done this and I've accomplished my goals. And today I was a warrior. I was a competitor. I was a winner. And that was just really neat. And it was really neat to see all I, I love being at the finish line and seeing the people that are there and just being able to reminisce on this is a, a moment in time where these people have, are here for me. Um, and just like, I know that the same weather I experienced, my crew experienced and they stuck it out and they were there to celebrate me and make sure I was taken care of. And so I'm always really, really grateful for, wow, these people love me a lot. Um, and that always feels really good. Mm-hmm. And then it feels good to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, that's an awesome way to portray your feelings uh, there at the finish line. Because, yeah, it's a lot different than mine, for sure. Um, I usually don't want it to be over, and I get a little depressed when it's finally done and I'm back home. So I'm glad you're emotionally mature enough to reflect upon, wow, this is this is my moment, right? Yeah. Um, what are you doing to to recover now, or what have you been doing the last few days to recover? Uh, so sleep, eat well. Um, Brooke came over and made us dinner so that we would eat really well. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, but also moving to, to just keep fresh, fresh blood flowing. So moving and knowing, okay, when is it, when is it time to rest? So I went back to, I took Monday off of work, went back to work on Tuesday, was on my feet a really good bit of Tuesday. Um, and then we went for a walk yesterday. So mostly just keep my feet elevated was a really big thing for that first 24, 36 hours afterwards was, um, elevating my feet, um, taking magnesium, like Epsom salt baths. I've noticed a huge difference in my, the inflammation in my legs once I take a bath. Um, yeah. Eat well, hydrate. Yeah. You've been drinking a ton of water. Drink a ton. Yeah. Ton of water. Um, I think that's kind of it. Just listening to my body, and if I need a nap in the middle of the day, I'm letting myself take a nap. Sat down and journaled uh, briefly and to just recap the journey and, yeah, do that. Caitlin, you got anything? Did you um, learn anything about yourself that is different or new or... I think I like that question. I think it's not so much that I learned something new. I think it's more that I, ta- it's more I tapped into a deeper layer within myself that I've always kind of wondered if it was there or haven't known. But 
I realized like, whoa, I'm capable of a lot. And I, like I've had, I had my former boss at my Chick-fil-A. He told me one time, he was like, Kelsey, you are capable of anything. And I was like, okay, I don't really know. But I've been resonating with that a lot lately of, wow, like I am capable of this if I set my mind to it and I let my let myself go there. So I think that that's the deepest thing of like just going into a new level and being excited and yeah. I wish everybody could think that way. You should say it in like a positive way and not like a aggravated like man, I wish everybody could think that way. You know? I I wish everybody would have that mindset. Oh man. Yep. I, mean, yeah. I, I really do. Because, I mean, that's, I believe that. I think that's a, a key piece in maximizing your own I, con- contribution to the world, right? Like, yeah. I don't think you get that mindset by just thinking it, though. I think you have to put yourself out there and fail and win for it to grow. I like know? that. Like, I like that. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think you could just will yourself into believing I am capable. Yeah, you yeah. have to actually get out there. I, I agree. That's that's a good point, Biscuit. I mean, I feel that. I feel that. Like, I, I feel like I could take over the world if I decided that's what I wanted to do. It would be ugly. <laughs> he looks like Dr. Evil right yeah. now when he said that. I, I truly believe that. <laughs> Like, Everybody kind of knows that, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We know you think you could take over the world. Okay. We know it. Um, I th- great question, by the way, Caitlin, and great answer, Kelsey. Well, I, th- I think, too, it takes, like we are talking about at the, I think it takes, there's a season of you have to walk through a journey. And, like, you're... T- I think for different people, your time to break through and find that next level, you I think if it's like if you're you're thinking, "Oh, I want to I want to break into that next level, but I don't, like I don't know how." Sometimes it takes a process. I mean, we Brooke and I run together all the time. We're constantly talking about like, "Where are you at? How's this going?" And there are seasons where it's like I wouldn't have been able to get to the mental place I was able to get to this past weekend. And you, but you have to walk into those really deep places and sometimes you have to revisit them. And it's, it's okay if you revisit those hard places, but when you have an opportunity to let yourself break through and do something really great in your mindset, like go for it and take, like take charge of what you want and don't don't feel bad if you hit a bump in the road again but don't be afraid to go through the hard seasons that makes me think I don't think I've asked you this which is weird like we are me and Kelsey both go to therapy and we're both I hope you don't mind me sharing that oh no and and we both are working through I think everybody's working through something you know but it's just whether or not they're being intentional about right. the work or not. Right. Yeah. And we are in both in pretty pretty deep seasons of growth that like we're both getting tired of. We're both getting frustrated. We want results. 
and my question is like, does does the race at all help that season? I think I have so I have thought about that. And I think the biggest piece that I've realized is it's it may not immediately be like, Wow, yeah, you found all the answers. Let's get out of this season. <laughs> but but it's given me Oh, no, I can work through this. I can get through this. And when I do get out of this, I will be in a better mental place than I was two weeks ago or ever. Um, I, rec- I fully recognize running 100 miles, doing really well, winning the race, coming up with these great mantras isn't going to solve your life and fix all your problems. But good word. By golly, it helps a lot to know, okay, I can approach this next season of therapy or this next thing that we're trying to tackle or this hard topic, and I can know, hey, I'm capable of going to this hard place and getting out of it and doing good work while I'm in that hard spot. So, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I have one more question. Yeah. Have you inspired Benji yet to run or do? Oh, cat. Okay. <laughs> so about a month ago, Benji said, hey, what would you think about joining CrossFit? So he, we, he has joined CrossFit. I'm going to be joining in a couple weeks. He you ran it in high school cross country, but he just does not have a love for running. Um. But he supports me really well. But he doesn't want to run. But we are going to do CrossFit together. So that's really exciting that we'll have something that we as a couple can physically do together. Yeah. Yeah. I love old Benjamin Button. Oh, yeah. He's cute. He's a good one, boy. He's so sweet. Well, guys, um, you know, I, I really think, I think that you guys should have a podcast. Uh, you guys are through, I am so blessed in my life to have been surrounded by strong women my whole life, but I don't think that there are enough strong women that use their voice that tell their stories and articulate their experiences and the value that they can bring to the world. I I just don't feel like there are enough of those there are those voices out there i don't feel like there are enough of them in this space right so i just want to encourage the three of you guys to keep i mean the way you guys the questions that you asked the way you articulated things um are on a much different level than i can do so if you're listening to this and you're a strong woman also. I'm not just speaking to these three, but to you guys as a whole. Uh, man, it's impactful in the way you guys say things and the lessons that you learn uh, are different than what I can take away. So keep going, man. Boo-boo, what, what makes you look at a woman and be like, that's a strong woman? Well, I mean, I have to... I have to get to know the 
the person, right? Um, but I mean, Krista's a Krista's an example. I, I guess I could use her as an example of like all of you guys will. And look, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but all of you guys will and have challenged me on my freaking craziness, right? And so that immediately perks my interest of like, okay, here's this person, um, being a female or not, that is not afraid to step up and say, hey, Chad, you need to freaking check your mess. I value that, right? And another thing is a, a and and I, I hate drawing the line between male and female, but I also see a lot of, in the case of the basic course, we get very few applicants that are female. And I think it's because a lot of females are afraid to put themselves in these situations that you guys put yourselves in of doing something that's really, really, physically just grueling. I'm not saying just hard. I'm talking about grueling, right? And so, I don't know. That's another another thing that's unique about all three of you guys is you're not afraid to put yourself intentionally into situations that you know are it's going to get rough. You're going to have to freaking poo in the woods. You're going to have to you're going to have to keep going. You're going to have to let everybody see you cry and yell and get mad and all that stuff, right? Um, yeah. I mean, that's just a few of the things I like about you guys. And I mean, I would listen to y'all's podcast. And you're all pretty funny, too. Thanks. Funny, I agree. Funny girls. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up, at least for Kelsey's first episode on the 3 of 7 podcast. I'm sure we'll have her back in uh, some somewhere along the line when she's ready. There's a lot of a lot of value that she can bring specifically, I think, to the audience. So thank you, Kelsey, for taking the time out of your day to come on here and Thanks for having me. Share your story. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful you're you're in my life and um I look up to you. I talk about you all the time and thankful for all the times that you've challenged me on runs and most specifically when you say, Hey Chad, you know pride comes before a fall, right? <laughs> Remember, you <clears throat> whoa, you and Kelsey communicate via singing. That's true. Yeah. Y'all y'all normally only sing to each other instead of that talking. That is true. We need to go to karaoke. Hey, Chad. <laughs> Chad, I hope you're having a good day today. Thank you, my darling Kelsey. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> <laughs>